Welcome to Hami Media Group, or as the cool kids say, HMG. We're here to provide you with the very best entertainment alternative media has to offer. Thank you to all our supporters who have made us what we are today. Follow us on social media, video, and podcast platforms at Hameen Media Group. Become a subscriber to Hameen Media Group at Patreon.com for great free daily content as well as off-the-top-rope extras. Subscribe to our affiliate Patreon channels with a plethora of fun content on various tiers that will bring tears of joy to your eyes. Vince Russo's The Brand. The Rip Rogers FR Podcast, Stevie Ray TV, Goldilocks, The A Show with Aaron Stevens and April Hunter, The Two Man Power Trip, Velvet Sky and Angelina Love, The Beautiful People, and now, The Larry Hankin Stories. Support your favorite HMG and independent pro wrestling talent at ProWrestlingTees.com. Enjoy the ultimate meal with Zordos Ultra Premium Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Head over to ZordosOliveOil.com. Start your day with the best cup of joe, bro. Try a fantastic selection of flavorful coffee blends at TheBrosters.com. StevieRichardsFitness.com. Get off that couch and make a healthy change without leaving your home. Amazing resistance band and yoga workout programs at an affordable price that will help you become a band new you. Hear from the pros who live the biz, bro, with talent that have worked for every major organization led by the man who put the attitude back in pro wrestling and in your ear holes. It's gotta be Russo'sBrand.com, bro. Again, we'd like to thank you for joining us here at HMG. And now, it's time to be entertained. Rated M for Mature. Sinister One, and alongside me is the mighty, mighty, mighty MSG. What's up, Papa? That's right. I'm your host in the scene. The air is clean. I'm lighting up that green. Yeah, boy. MSG. Um, what's up, dude? I'm chilling. It's a post-Father's Day, I guess you'd say, hangover. You're the father. How was your Father's Day? It was great. I got to spend it with my five-year-old, so it was freaking awesome. Nice. Went to a barbecue, came back home. I loaded up the Simpsons arcade game. Okay. And uh, we popped on 99 credits. All right. And we beat the sucker. It was a good time. And it's actually the second game that we beat together. The first time I have my one-up cabinet for Ninja Turtles. So that's always one of her go-tos. She'll come downstairs into the game room and want to play Ninja Turtles. And her favorite is Donatello. And we beat that. That was our first game that we actually beat together. So The Simpsons is number two. 
Yeah, man. Well, you know, we talked about E3 to get into our news here. We talked about E3 last week. There were some more days that we need to probably cover, huh? Yeah. <sighs> insert, yeah. insert long pause and a sigh. Yes, we do. E3, day three, day four. Was it worth it? By now, I think we've had time to process whether you thought it was a failure, whether, whether you thought it was a success. Uh, it was a mixed bag. So we're not going to spend the entire show right. like we did last week covering days one and two. Uh, we're going to just kind of breeze by three and four, let you guys know what we thought about it. Let's get into the E3 news. Let's do it. Last week, we went ahead and recapped day one, day two. And as you mentioned, we had a lot of information. Really, there wasn't a lot of high points on day three and day four, other than I'd say Nintendo and a couple different things. We start off with Capcom. They announced that DLC was coming to the village, that Reverse was going to launch Monster Hunter Series 2 and the great uh, Ace Attorney and eSports. And there wasn't really any word on any Mega Man. So it was just like, the, let's talk about a game that's already out. We're going to be going ahead and putting out some more DLC for this game. Here's a new great Ace Attorney game that we're coming out with. Oh, and let's talk about eSports. It was a waste of time. Well, the way they had presented it, they started off when they were talking about the village, and they said, due to overwhelming found support, and they say DLC is coming to the village. Yeah, yeah. I don't know really too many people that once they beat a game, they say, wow, I'm looking forward to some downloadable content. Uh, I find that DLC overall is just unnecessary. Just give us the game, and then if you want, give us a sequel, a prequel, something of that sense. But then they they launched Reverse, which is their online multiplayer game. I'm not quite sure if it's uh, a PvP or it's you and some friends taking on computer-generated enemies, zombies, monsters... But that kind of reminded me of the Resident Evil game, I believe it was called Umbrella Core, yep. that had come out years ago that was a total failure. It was just a disaster that they they quietly just removed the Resident Evil from it and called it Umbrella Core, and that shit tanked. So, so I, I agree with you on some sense. I think for some games, though, the additional DLC can work. I think for like a, a game like Assassin's Creed, when they announced that Ubisoft that they were going to add additional DLC for the Viking stuff, that's kind of cool. Like, like that's them kind of going back right and supporting the game and adding more content. Yeah, I mean, but in some cases it it doesn't. I mean, it's just nothing more than a cash grab. When I bought the Spider-Man during the PS5 launch, I went and played Spider-Man Remastered because luckily I hadn't played it for the PS4. The DLC, The City Never Sleeps, and and the rest of the DLC that they included. It was fun to continue on, but it really didn't add too much to the story. It started its own story off with the Black Cat, Silvermane, and I could have done without it. Now, I understand it's for people that really, 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 really enjoy the game. Usually, once I beat the game and I'm done, I'm done. I don't like going back and revisiting games. Oh, well, actually, for the current generations, I really don't. I'll still go back and visit games like Mario or my favorite Symphony of the Night, which I was say for platforms, is that the exception, would you say? Oh, yes. The last platformer I played multiple times was Rayman Legends and Rayman Origins. Oh, nice. Which I think ranks up top with some of the greatest platformers ever. I went ahead and, and, and played those multiple times. Okay. 
these new games where it's story based, I have no interest. No, no interest whatsoever going back and playing them. Then Monster Hunter Stories 2, we've seen later in Nintendo's presentation as they went into gameplay, they showed more about it. Uh, being that it's an RPG, I, I think that looks pretty cool. And the Grace Ace Attorney, I have no interest. As well. But when they got into the eSports, this is the kicker because they they presented it as if they were going to go ahead and dig in their, their archives and their library and bring us some, some dope-ass fighting games. Um, maybe another Marvel versus Capcom that wasn't infinite. They, or maybe something as JoJo's Bizarre Adventures or Darkstalkers. Bring us something back. And instead, they announced it was all about eSports support. eSports. Yep, that's the big thing. I mean, that's the newest sensation for the younger generation who want to make a career in video games. You've got all these people who become professional gamers now and get sponsored, and they are paid to play video games. I was like, damn, I wish this had been like around when we were kids, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's true, too, because I was never an athletic person. Right? I mean, I played I, baseball and basketball, but I was always like, I'm 5'9", I'm 160. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm going to go pro. I just had a lot of heart determination, so that's what would get me onto teams. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't run a starter. You know what I mean. The only time I ran is if if my mother was leaving the house and wanted to go to the store, and I ran to go with her, or if I was running for my father because he was going to whoop my ass. So there was no running, no exercise. Not saying I wasn't a pudgy kid either. I I didn't give a shit about exercising and and playing sports. I played a lot of video games. Speaking so of whooping ass though, Adam. I mean, it was take two. <sighs> And they didn't talk about whooping ass. No WWE 2K22, no Bioshock, no Outer Worlds 2. So, I mean, there wasn't really any whooping ass in any of this, was there? Take two. They gave us 45 minutes on a Zoom session. And it reminded me of during when we were deep into COVID, when Josh Gad had the Goonies reunions. And, and he had all of these reunions bringing back stars. And there were these nine squares. They spoke. And it was a fun time. Except... This was all about diversity and inclusivity. Inclusivity. It's a beautiful thing. However, for 45 minutes to tell gamers how yeah. they are woke, who is your target audience? Are you targeting the audience that you feel has no voice in gaming? You're trying to target those that feel that they're not appreciated, that they're being held down? Or are you trying to target those that aren't gamers and letting them know, hey, as a company, we're fighting for you. We're trying to, to have creators that are LGBT. We're, we're trying to have creators that are women, that are asexual that are poly binary what what are you who are you targeting with this 45 minute session because all in all i don't know about you maddie but when i watch e3 i want to see game trailers <laughs> i want to see gameplay i want to see new things that are exciting i don't want to hear about how you're catering to me. I, do. I don't want to hear the Latino or for the African American or for the Asian gamer. We're 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 making games for us. 
it's very odd because you know I I grew up on the West Coast, so I grew up with a different you know a cultural aspect of being around different types of cultures and races. And when we played video games, none of us were like, "Oh, they're making it for our race." We just played video games. <laughs> so I don't understand. We just play the games. I, the game. All I want to see is you know dynamics, gameplay, the whole nine. So for their presentation. I can't even give it a grade. I won't even give it a grade. That, there's a time and place for everything. And 45 minutes being devoted to that was unnecessary. I think it's a, the latter of your example there. They're targeting casual and non-gamers. The casual gamers, look, we are ma- we're making changes to try and to, to include you so you can be part of our community and spend money. Please bring over some of that LGBTQ money that you have disposable income, right? And then of course you've got from the non-gamers, from a PR standpoint, it definitely shows quote unquote support to the LGBTQ community. And I'm not saying their intentions aren't uh, admirable or you know they're trying to do the right thing. However, there also is like anything in advertising and marketing, there's always a, a motive itself because the bottom line itself dictates how the company moves forward. Exactly. They're not doing none of these companies are doing anything for the love of us. No. The only thing that they want from us is our money and our support because that's our love doesn't keep them open. See, I would say the developers, the actual people making the game, there's probably the love there. But yeah, once it gets to the business and the corporate side, it's just about money. <laughs> it's all about money at the end of the day because you can go ahead. You've, we've seen it many times where say an actor or singer we see how that carries over with the cancel culture how that's a big thing going so yeah that can affect the pocket that affect their 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 bottom line but for us as of right now your job is to sell us on something that we're going to potentially spend our money on and when it feels like i'm being pandered to and you're it, it feels like you're you're telling me all the machinations, all the wheels that are turning behind the scenes to bring us these games. I don't care. Show don't tell. Don't tell me how you're pandering to me. Don't tell me how you're pandering to to members of my family, to other families out there, how you other gamers. Just show me with your games. Show me with your products and your end result. This is something that that should have been saved for maybe an investor call maybe well and the next thing here bit of news you put you know, tommy tellerico presented the intellivision amico a couch co-op console that is meant to be fun for the whole family and they showed off i get some hd versions right of, of classic atari and ColecoVision games showed off some party games some edutainment games like sesame street and care bears you put you are excited why are you excited for this i'm excited because of what it's potentially bringing to the table it's meant to be as a console that you keep in your home and you turn on when others come over as i mentioned earlier i have a five-year-old daughter and i need to, in order to get her gaming i want to start with things that can be pretty accessible and really simple to use Wouldn't the whether it's made, though, two buttons already putting out multiple consoles like this already over the last 20 years whether it be atari and ColecoVision. if we go back to 2011 when ColecoVision had their 30th anniversary i mean atari well, came out with that thing last year that was on kickstarter right or whatever it was where it's the online atari where they're going to update it with games and you can also use it for netflix and other things like that it seems yeah. like to me there's and then uh, there's you and then you got roms i mean these games are like 40 
30, 40 years old at this point. What's the incentive for the game, I guess? I mean, these games have been out for so long already. Who cares is what I'm getting at. Well, what they showed off looked pretty. Even if they were Atari and ColecoVisions, they were reimagined. They brought uh, that shine, that the HD to it, where it still is a, is a fun element. Because whether you play those games back in 1982 or you're playing them now, because as I was mentioning with my kid, I want to start her off with something simple. So I want to start her off with something not a six-button controller or start her off with a four-button controller. I've been kind of taking my steps as in how I started. So yeah, I started off with an Atari. The first episode I mentioned, I started off with the... Uh, Vic 20 Commodore 64. That was a one button controller, even though I, I want to start her off with simple things of that nature. I could go ahead and pop on a Sesame Street Care Bears for her because the games aren't going to be rehashes. So, yes, they do have HD versions of Atari and ColecoVision classics, but they also are going to have new stuff. They brought together the whole team uh, and they're bringing an exclusive Earthworm gym for the, for the console. They are having other games that they have yet to show off. There's going to be physical games. And they're going to be downloadable games. I'm just saying, for Atari and ColecoVision, all the things that you just said, you could go, go on eBay, you could buy a one-button controller that it links up to your computer, and you could have her start there, right there on the computer, and play ROMs for free. Is the price worth it for this new piece of machinery that's just going to be pushing out mostly old content and living off of a legacy's name? Well, do we believe that it's, that's all it's going to be? I that's not what I heard. I don't think this thing is going to last very long. So far from what we've seen, it's it looks to be better than what the Atari VCS has presented because the Atari VCS, for the yeah, longest... Already dying out, man. With they the- sold us on a dream, and I have, not, I have not heard one soul talk about it recently. Sure, we've had other influencers on YouTube talking about it, about how the Kickstarter is, is doing, and we haven't seen anything. We haven't seen any games for it. This was at least a step in the right direction. But when it comes to what we've seen, I've always heard, believe none of what you hear and half of what you see. We saw Dave Four and Nintendo bringing the heat to take uh, the big number one spot for the show as they uh, announced Kazuya from Tekken is going to be in Smash Brothers. we got Mario Party Superstars, which... That one I'm excited for because they're bringing back, A, the game board style, the classic game board style, and B, individual players moving throughout the game board, not the stupid we all have to be in a car, 100 mini games. Um, so that looks exciting. I, I'm hyped for that one. Uh, yeah. And Metroid Dread. That I am really, really looking forward to. That's the first new 2D Metroid game. Now, I know uh, a couple of years ago they released Samus Returns on the 3DS. But that was a remake of Metroid 2 from the Game Boy. So I am really, really, really looking forward to plopping down my money for that this fall. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to get it. It's not going to be a game I'm going to go right out and get. Like, I don't think it's worth $60 for a 2D game. Uh, I think the market for this type of game, for Metroid Mania-style games, is kind of around that $30 to $40 market range, especially since they've put out so many of these style of games over the last four or five years with independent developers. But... I definitely will get it. I'm just, I'm not going to pay the full $60 for this game. Well, later on, there's going to be some games that we were going to talk about. We'll see if they warrant the whole $59.99. Um, they show Cruisin' Blast. That looked like a real good game, especially if you're a fan of Cruisin' USA, Cruisin' World, Exotica, those Midway-style racing games. I know those were big uh, back for the Nintendo 64 era. Uh, WarriorWare, get it together. 
Ugh. cares about WarioWare? I don't understand these games. For the GameCube, the WarioWare that was on there was a real popular game, and it's selling really well today. Is it the, People I mean, are going out getting it. Is the target just kids? I mean, if the target's just kids, I'll back off on thinking why they're putting these things out. Like, who's I the think mo- I think it's 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 for the fans of Mario Party, but it's just the games. It's like, not a longer drawn out. So I don't I don't believe you're you're going to spend forty five minutes on a game board like you are with Mario Party, but with Warrior where they're all micro games, so it's just meant to be one and dones. But they look like they, I don't know. They're very childish and very simple micro games. I just don't get the the why you would want to play them what, what, but hey they got a two-player co-op mode now oh great so as wario said you got to work together oh. <laughs> ah. you're doing good uh uh shin megami tensai five now this looks sick that was a look like a dope ass switch exclusive yeah that was if you're a fan of Persona series, or if you've ever played the Shin Megami Tensai games, actually have the Shin Megami Tensai 3 HD remake that's out right now for the Switch. That looks like a really fun game. Also, uh, Advanced Wars 1 and 2, I think it's called like uh, Reboot Camp. That launches later this year. Now, when I was speaking about $59.99 games, right. this game is going to be $59.99. And for an Advance Wars 1 and 2, if you've ever played that on the Game Boy Advance, shout out to episode 1, do you think that it's worth $60? No, I don't think that's worth $60 either. I think maybe that's worth about 40 bucks as well. Yeah. If you're trying to, say, get a copy of Advance Wars right. 1 and 2, a copy just loose for Advance Wars 1 is going to run you $45. Advance Wars 2 is going to cost you about $31. So to buy 1 and 2 is going to run you approximately, not including tax or if you're buying it online, shipping and handling, it's going to run you about $76. Now, if if you're a sucker for having the entire packages, then you're going to spend about $225 just to buy both games complete in box. In that retrospect, it definitely would be cheaper. (laughs) So that's the way, that's why I brought that to light because... Sometimes we need to look at it in that perspective, whether you want to buy the original games for a higher for a markup price with third party or you just go out and you buy it at at your local Best Buy or Amazon, wherever you buy your games. And that's not to say also where you can just get it digitally from the e-store. Now, the big the big reveal, though, I will pay sixty dollars for and that's Breath of the Wild, too. (laughs) I definitely will pay sixty. That's to me is worth sixty dollars. Like I will totally fork that out. Even if they may charge seventy, I'd probably fork it out for that game. I'll wait for it to come out for forty nine ninety nine. Funny. Breath of the Wild 2 looks awesome. If you've never played the first one, I highly suggest. I mean, it came out on the Wii U, obviously, and then remade for the Switch. Breath of the Wild 2, I'm not looking forward to. I didn't like Breath of the Wild 1. Oh, wow. I did not like it. I, like many, Shocked. am not a fan of the whole, you get a weapon and it breaks. I can understand you're running around with a rake, trying to, to, to beat people with a rake, and that's that breaks. Just give me back my Zelda where your sword never, your, it never, it never destroys, and you just keep fighting with that. I don't want to have to worry about crawling through dungeons and surviving. I don't want to have to worry about solving puzzles with a weapon that's going to break. That might add an element 
that people might enjoy that says, well, that adds just up, just one more thing. I don't want to think about that. Type I guess of I'm just used to it through the Assassin's Creed over the years. They've eventually they started with like that where the weapons did break and they eventually evolved into where you have to continually upgrade the weapon. So that way it still has a impact in the fights that you're in right against the different levels. And then eventually, yeah, now it's, I mean, I think it's to the point where weapons do break, especially in the Viking game. I think you have to, like, weapons break, you have to recraft them. So, like, I just think it's been a natural progression of that as a gamer in that sense. So, like, I, I, I'm not necessarily negative or positive about it. I just feel like that's just where the landscape of, like, those type of role-playing games are these days to add that element of realism that, oh, you've got to add this element to, you know, make sure your weapons are up to date. Well, if they if they added something, you get to sharpen your your right hand weapon, or you get to take it and, and repair. You you pay some coin to get them repaired. I'm all for that. But if it's like the first Breath of the Wild, I want nothing to do with it. So, and and also the bonus um with what Nintendo did, they not only announced a lot of these games, but after their presentation was done, they actually showed off gameplay. Right. For Metroid Dread, Mario Party Superstars, Mario Golf, Shin Megami Tensei 5, Advanced Wars 1 and 2. So I appreciated that. And for that, I believe Nintendo took all four days, even from the highly praised Microsoft. The only thing I'm disappointed about Nintendo, and I was texting about this, was the Legend of Zelda's real anniversary. You know, really, they're not mm. doing too much for it. I know they put out that, we don't have it here, but they put out another game and watch where it's a Legend of Zelda theme style, where it's going to have Zelda 1, Zelda 2, and then the Game Boy version Link's Awakening, as well as a reskin of that classic. The original Game & Watch. Yeah, the original Game & Watch. A reskin, though, with Link instead. So, it, I mean, cool. That's great. Like, if that was just something that they were putting out, maybe they announced that on Twitter, I would have maybe been a little bit more, like, excited for Like, oh, that's a nice little, nice little thing. But for them to reveal that at E3, so close to the end of the presentation, and also for them to say that after this they really don't have anything else planned i'm hesitant to believe that we're going to get wind waker or that we're going to get twilight princess hd or that we're going to get ocarina of time or majora's mass remakes on the switch which is what i think they needed like they needed to hit it like mario where you could have given us like ocarina of time wind waker and twilight all in one package and i think people would have been excited because while i did like majora's mask it wasn't the it's not the biggest one in the Zelda franchise that fans like. And I think those three titles right there, what people really want to see made uh, you know, up to date, especially the, the 64 versions. That's the dark horse because Konami, for some reason, has been destroying it when it comes to their anniversary editions. Right. And limited run games, they gave us a 30-minute presentation. It, it was cheesy. It, it, it reminded me of a, a show that you'll see on Adult Swim. Uh, their humor was hit and miss. We're back, Adam. Rick and Morty season five. We're, we're back. I had to fight Nimbus yesterday. It was on, it was on Adult Swim. Sorry, go ahead. The, uh, they announced a lot of different games, physical games. If, if you are a physical collector, then limited run games is definitely for you. They bring us a lot of games to the Nintendo Switch, to your PS4, and also now to the PS5. And they also do a lot of re-releases for Super Nintendo, Nintendo Game Boy, and they even have Rondo of Blood for the first time to the U.S. in an official ESRB release. So you don't have to import it anymore for your Turbo Dual system. Um, some of my favorite things that they showed off that I thought was really cool was the Zombies Ate My Neighbors Ghoul Patrol Dual Pack, which is live right now that you can go ahead and pre-order for 30 days. 
Uh, also, currently, I think believes ends this week is the Castlevania anniversary edition. That's an anniversary edition that I was talking about because it has not only the Castlevanias one, two, three. It has uh, Bloodlines. Those are really good to have. They have Castlevania Requiem, which is coming out for the PS4. I don't know if they announced that it's coming out for the Switch, but that has Symphony of the Night and Rondo of Blood. Now, I don't know if that's the same thing as the PSP's Dracula X Chronicles that came out many moons ago, but that is coming. They showed off Axiom Verge 2. I was a fan of Axiom Verge 1. I love Metrovania-style games. River City Girls 0 and 2. I know the first River City Girls was a big hit, and it's costing a pretty penny to go ahead and buy that game still. Um, as I mentioned, all, all five Shantae games are coming for the PS5. I was disappointed with the Contra Anniversary Collection. It has Contra's one, or actually just has Contra, Super Contra, which are the arcade versions, Contra, Super C, the NES versions, then it has the, the Japanese versions. But it's missing Contra Force, which I believe is why it's still going as a high-ticket item for the NES. And it's missing the, uh, the PlayStation Legacy of War that had the 3D glasses and some of the uh, the PS2 Contra games, Neo Contra, so on and so forth. So it's missing those games. So you're only getting, it seems, 8-bit. Oh, and it has uh, Contra Alien Wars, the Super Nintendo, and uh, Hardcore. I was just going to say before you move on, I was going to also point out, I mean, that Zombies Eat My Neighbors and Goose, Go- Ghost Patrol, or Go- Goose, Ghost, Goose, whatever. Cool. Goal Patrol is definitely a good deal, especially like because what Zombies Ate My Neighbors is like complete for like 200 bucks it's on like eBay yeah. or something like that. It's a high, yeah, I believe Ghoul Patrol is going for even more. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, that's a good deal for that to get both games and have a physical copy. But not only are they giving that for the Switch and for PlayStation 4, but they're also releasing, they have on pre order where you can get the classic versions for your Super Nintendo and your Genesis. Yeah, I saw that. The cartridges so yeah, that's pretty cool cartridges and why not one of the most cringeworthy games ever in vain games like night trap and it's the 3do classic plumbers don't wear ties mm. yay i will not be buying that game but that uh that was their presentation and oh and last but not least a game that we've been asking for we have played it and it stars Many friends of the show, and that's Retromania Wrestling. That's right. Is getting physical. Finally. Finally. I have it on digital, so I've been waiting for that physical. I would I'm I'm interested to see what the collector version is gonna include. Yeah, I as well. And I think that'll be I'm I'm sure when we, you know, get the word, we can definitely uh, maybe we can uh, reach out to Limited Run and see if we can set that up. As, of course, as you mentioned there, you know, we've got friends of the shows in there. Of course, our own Stevie Richards on the network is in the game itself. So so yesterday was Father's Day, and real quick before we get into the rewind, I want to give some Father's Day shout-outs. So first shout-out is going out to Kratos, the god of fucking war. And even though he was a stubborn prick towards his son, iron sharpens iron, and he made good by raising him well. If only we could talk about what happened to his previous family, he might lose some points there. Hagar from Final Fight, or Mayor Hagar, and also Saturday Night Slam Masters, the man destroyed a whole fucking gang just to save his daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Father of the year material right there. Yeah, right. So, yeah, maybe if they, you know, were happy, they wouldn't be such assholes. You know, you've got uh, Haichi Mishima. All he wants to do is kill his son. You got Bowser. 
you know, what a douche guy. This guy's always trying to take advantage of Princess Peach. And he's got kids, eight kids, and they don't even know how to be good, good workers. They're always getting their asses kicked. Like he just uses a little kick around. Fuck you, Bowser. That's all I got. And let's give these video game fathers love for Father's Day. You are the father. <laughs> Did you see the latest Nintendo newsletter? Whoa, nice graphics. I'd like to get my hands on that game. You mean you haven't played it yet? We can play it on my Nintendo Entertainment System. It's the Legend of Zelda, and it's really rad. Those creatures from Ganon are pretty bad. Octoroks and Tektik's levers, too. But with your help, our hero pulls through. Yeah, go, Link. Yeah, get Zelda. Awesome. Intense. The Nintendo Entertainment System. Your parents help you hook it up. The Legend of Zelda sold separately. When it seems like all is lost, when it feels as if you have no hope, when you are outnumbered, overpowered, and they've got you cornered, that's when you realize your last best hope is you. Halo Combat Evolved, rated M for Mature. Hey guys, don't forget to check out Hami Media Group sponsors. You can check out uh, ProWrestlingTees.com, Ben Hameen. Stevie Richards, uh, that being uh, BWO Stevie, SEG shirts for Big Sal, the Greek god Papa Don, and superstar Chris Silvio. You can also check out uh, RussoBrand.com here, Hami Media Group's own Ben Hami and Stevie Richards. You can go to Patreon.com slash RussoTWC for Master Shoot Theater, as well as check out Zoro's Olive Oil and TheBrosters.com. And now's the time where we rewind. Re, 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 rewind. What we gonna do right here is go back. Way back. Back into time. So with the name of our show, One Up Rewind Podcast, we like to go back to the past. It doesn't necessarily have to be 30 years. It could be a week. It could be a month. It could be previous generations. But one thing that we know is that physical media is one thing that we can always remember. Whether it's box art, whether it's inserts, whether it's the... The, the nostalgia of blowing out your favorite cartridge, having to go ahead and clean the cartridge with alcohol, going out to the video stores, renting games, physical media is the bee's knees and where it's at. That's the meat, the essence of what being a gamer, in my opinion, is all about. Sure, the gameplay is great, but there is a faction, if you will, within the gaming community that believe physical media is always the way to go. That digital media isn't truly yours. So let's talk about it. It's the rise and fall of physical games and the rise again. So, Matt, as a collector, you talk about you're big into the Sega Saturn. Yes. Why is it that you collect? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, there's the nostalgic feeling of putting in that disc into the Saturn, pressing power, hearing it power up, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a blast from the past. It's also a system, as I mentioned in the first episode, that I never had, you know, growing up as a kid. So it's something that I wanted to go back 
and try to recreate that uh, entertainment I would have gotten if I had received a Sega Saturn at such a young age. So that's probably a couple of the crux of it. I mean, and the biggest thing as well is Saturn is one of those systems as well. It's always been hard to emulate. So because of that, you know, if you don't want to have to jump through the hoops of first finding the different ISOs and the boot for the Saturn into the correct system and then hope that it works. Some games do, some games, some games don't. Rather than going through all that, uh, it's just easier to go ahead and get the physical media itself. And also, like, it's mine. I get to, it's in my, I get to hold it in my hands. It's tangible. Can't take it away from me. And that's the most important thing, I believe. I think with physical game collectors, yeah, you have the nostalgia. I think, though, that with the advent of services like Live and the PS Network and Nintendo Online, there are times where, as we've seen the PlayStation 3 era, when they hacked and took down the PlayStation Network, you weren't able to to get on there. You weren't able at the time to download anything. You weren't able to access certain games. So it shut a lot of people down. You don't feel like the game is actually yours. So in the event of, say, an internet outage, or if you don't want to subscribe and get internet and you just want to stay off the grid, you can't play a lot of these games. When you own the cartridge or you own the disc or the Hue card, whatever you you, you play on, even if you are a PC board collector, you have that at your disposal anytime you want. You want to take a console over to a friend's house, you don't have to, to connect it to the internet. You pop on your cartridge and you have a good time. That, I believe, is the crux of it all. And that's why I see that over the past decade, there's been a huge resurgence in the aftermarket with a lot of these items. Some people can attribute it because of having that feeling of what's old is new again and stuff that now that we're older and some of us have disposable income that we can go ahead and reinvest in things that made us happy uh, when we're children. And others can say it's just because there's nothing like having it in your home. I, I see things like platforms like Steam, Xbox Game Pass, PS Now, Nintendo Online. They're pushing it so that way you can download games from them Mm -hmm. the games themselves though even though they're digital are costing the same as if you go and buy the retail version so i'm not an expert at this and maybe you might have better insight do you feel that when we're buying whether we're buying it from from a GameStop or a Best Buy, or we're buying it from the particular game store, where are the proceeds going? Are they going to the developers themselves? Because I know that when if you go to a GameStop and buy a used game, that money goes 100% to GameStop. If you go to a disc replay or uh, your favorite game store, that goes 100% towards the store itself and not to the developer. But why do you see that, or why do you think that the, the online stores sell digital copies for an exuberant amount of cash? Well, I think a, because they can, right. And a lot of times they'll offer the ability to 
get the games faster. So if you pay the same price, you can get it night of the download. You don't even have to go anywhere. You can download it right to your system. You can play. So there's the convenience of that, right? There's also that FOMO, the fear of missing out. If the game, if they sell out of the physical copies, then what are you going to do? You still want to play the game with your friends. And I guess I'll buy the digital. So I think that they're playing on that a lot. I think as well, and I think the only system that I've seen so far new that does it decent is the Switch. Like the Switch, you can they do have a lot of deals where a lot of uh, big AAAs and indies will go on sales. I mentioned right at the top of the show, and they also at least let you download the game to a specific um, like a separate card, so it doesn't even have to be on the system, and you can still play it offline. Like I played 2K21 at work the other night. Don't tell my boss, and they. I couldn't get on the internet, obviously, because I'm at work, but I was still able to play the game. So, like, they, they they give the ability on that, but conversely, let's say on the Xbox One, which I have, and I've got both. I've got a digital and a physical version of Tony Hawk's 1 and 2. And the reason why I did that is because I bought Tony Hawk 1 and 2 digitally for pre-order, got the game, playing it, but if you can't connect to the internet, you can't play the game. There are like, a lot of live service games that are like that. Yeah, but if I go, but so I went out and bought the, the physical, so that way, at least if I don't have internet, I can play. You, you get what I'm saying? So, like... I think that the Nintendo Switch still does it well, but most of the other um, consoles, companies, Sony, Xbox, and Steam are starting to move forward into digital, even more so into the cloud. You know, I was having this conversation with my best friend, Gerard. Shout out to him. Uh, he hosts a podcast called 10-Man Podcast, where they do like a top 10 podcast. And he was mentioning that, he, uh, you know, as far as digital, he's into physical as well. And I mentioned to him that, you know, you've got Xbox. They announced this at E3, right? They're planning to do that cloud service base where they want to integrate it more into televisions. So where all you have to do is go out and just buy the controller. So now you don't even really own the game. You're just, you know, play, watching a Netflix video but with your controller. So, I mean, I definitely feel like the push away from physical is there. And I don't understand why it still costs the same. But maybe that's because it's still so new. Maybe if it becomes abundant, like the streaming services that we have now, but in video game format, maybe the cost then comes down. On the digital side but right now it's kind of that wild wild west if you will of um distributing games digitally so like i think they have more of a monopolization and that they can you know charge however they want much they want to charge i mean that's the short answer i guess is because they want to personally i believe that well the goal of any company is to provide products and to try to run smaller faster and more efficient and I think with companies releasing games digitally, they're cutting off the processing costs of having their their items duplicated in mass production. So you don't have to pay to get them pressed onto discs. You don't have to worry about any of those things. You don't have to worry about paying factory workers to shrink wrap the games and package them and and sort them the printers to have to print the labels so i think with digital games there there's much more of an overhead in the physical market and they feel that if they could just provide it then the consumer doesn't have to drive to the store anymore i think it's enabling people to stay at home just like with a Netflix, just like with a Disney Plus or an HBO Go. During the pandemic, well, why go to the movie theater? You can stay home and watch it from your couch. Right. Why go to a video store? You can rent movies from your home. 
they're all at your fingertips. Which I think sucks because you're taking out the interaction from the video game standpoint. Going, you go. Let's say you go into, you know, when I was living out in Kennewick, uh, Washington, before I moved out here, Denver. One of the, my biggest uh, frustrations when the pandemic happened was that the local retro game store closed down because you could go to this local retro game store. Not only did they sell classic consoles, but in the back they had areas where people could play cards, D&D. They had an arcade set up. So, like, you could interact, meet new people. And as a person who had just moved to that town, it was nice. I had the, you know, to try and make, meet new friends or meet new people that were into the same things I was into. When you take away that ability, all, you're forcing people to go online and play. And I don't want to go online and play. I'm not an online player like that. I don't want to play against some kid or get matched up like that. Now, I'll play against close friends, you know, give you my gamer tag. And we can link up to play a game or something. But I'm not just playing, trying to play with some randos online. So, like, for me, I, I like the in-person interaction of going to the store and getting that physical piece of media. Oh, that, and that's what a lot of the memories that I have, where my cousin, we would all link up at one of our cousin's houses, or every time there was a birthday party, we would go into his bedroom, close the door, and stay there for hours Uh, playing each other while we were in the same room and we would pop and we would yell and we would scream and we would have fun anytime there was a birthday party hey you're bringing the 64 bring it over so we could play uh you know wrestlemania 2000 make our characters come on bring bring it here i'll take this there take that there it but it brought us together and we had hella memories staying up all night pulling up all nighters we weren't just sitting at home by ourselves talking to to them communicating via microphone. My biggest fear, and I'm sure it's what a lot of people go through as well, especially as uh, new systems come out. If you're buying digital and they don't let it connect to the internet, do I get to keep my game? Is it my game? Do I get to actually keep it forever? Or is this a rental until you say I'm not allowed to play anymore? Well, apparently not because what happens well recently where they discovered that the DRM issues with the PlayStation 4, and they, I believe they said it was also with the Xbox One, that if this this specific chip goes bad, that's it. Yeah. You can't that's- play that game anymore. So you're going to either have to probably buy another a backup system and then hope that the service or the server is still online that you can go ahead and, and re-download that game. Certain games, when they took games like, uh, was it DuckTales? Yep. Off of... The, the online store, if you had bought it, you could have went into your transactions, your, your history, and have been able to re-download that again. But um, going back real quick to the, the, the physical games and gaming together, I want to shout out one of my best friends, Miguel. Catch him on Twitch under the name Mighty Migs. Mighty uh, with Mighty the Z. Migs. Yeah, M-I-G-H-T-Y-M-I-G-Z. You catch him on Twitch. Um, he would host before the pandemic host game nights at his house okay. and, you know, five, six, seven of us would come. He had a huge, he has a huge library for every system. We would randomly pick out some games that we're going to play. A lot of times me and him would, would go on Twitch and, and play a lot of the wrestling games. We had a wrestling rivalry and an NBA jam rivalry, and we would play random NBA jam games whether it was uh, NBA Jam Tournament Edition for the Super Nintendo, or we would go and, and play the uh, Sega Saturn, what was it NBA Jam Extreme, I believe, that shitty game. But he, he would hold the, host these game nights and have tons of physical media that we would go ahead and, and be able to play together. He didn't have to worry about, hey, let's go online. I believe the only online game, digital game that he had that we would play was like Jackbox Party. 
Well, you, you know, moving on though, you're talking about aftermarket price values uh, on physical media. I think is a, a big subject right now, especially with the pandemic that happened last year. We saw all the uh, physical media spike, right? Everything went up to the roof. And you know, you mentioned I'm a Saturn collector, and right now, other than maybe, uh, maybe 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 other than like a Turbo Graphics, I can't think of a, a more expensive system right now to collect for than the Saturn. I mean, am I wrong on that? Compared to say the Neo Geo. Yeah, like it's just I feel like like I'm at the spike, especially for Saturn games. You know, I wish I'd started collecting Saturn games 10 years ago because I got gotten all these games for hella cheap. But now the average price I'm paying just for a used Saturn game is like 40 bucks. And that's just for low end for like City 2000 or something. I personally, I collected the entire Dreamcast set right. for the U.S. And it was time to start hitting the heavy hitters like the Giga Wing, Giga Wing 2s. Uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Ill Bleed, uh, Power Stone 2. Those games were starting to become a lot pricier for me to go ahead and, and, and to get. That is kind of nothing, though, when we start getting into things of buying CIB versions of Nintendo games, Super Nintendo games. Because if, as of like right now, one of the most popular, and you, you always see it online and people always trying to get it, say Little Samson. That's one of the most go-to NES games that people talk about when collecting. Right now, you're going to be paying close to $4,000 for a complete copy. That's not saying that it's going to be a pristine copy, right? but it's about $4,000. I don't see any game on the Dreamcast currently or the Saturn that is in the $4,000 range unless you're, you're, you're talking maybe about a Panzer Dragoon Saga. But I do know... That $4,000 just for a cartridge, a manual, a box, and that's not even talking about the random inserts is a lot of freaking money. And expensive one right the now. NES has a lot of games like that. So when I was also collecting for the Xbox, a lot of their higher-end games, uh, a Steel Battalion green controller variant, well, the original release, that ran close to... At the time I got it was about three hundred and fifty dollars. Right now you're gonna pay about five six hundred dollars for it. Currently, for the Nintendo Switch is having a lot of 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 price blown out of the water. My Breath of the Wild Master Edition still sealed in box. That is is reaching up the, to the one thousand dollar mark. I guess my biggest complaint is that it's so expensive here in America. But if I just get a Japanese import, it's ten bucks then that, that goes into the whole collectors versus players market. So do you want the game just so you can play it? Because if that's the case, then you can go to a PlayAsia or somewhere else and buy the import version. I want both. I want or do you want the U.S. version to have it in your collection? Because then that is going to cost a little more money. I just want the game. To play, and if it's in my collection, whether it's Japanese or American, I really don't care. To be quite honest, as long as I have a physical copy of the game in a case for the game, if it's Japanese import or American, the only difference is going to be translations. Yeah, there's other things that Japanese games they have in that they don't put in America, and vice versa. So you get that little you know breadcrumb there as well. So, so would you want to buy, say, a Japanese? Not that they have one, but an imported version for stadium events, or are you going to spend the forty-one thousand dollars? For a complete in-box copy of it. I'm going to get the Japanese version. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. 41 grand. That's that's a lot of a lot of coin to spend. 
but that's what the collector market is right now. And I don't know if it's because as time goes by, it's harder to find them complete anymore or there's cartridges because eventually when it comes to our CDs and our DVDs and Blu-ray based games, we're going to have to worry about things like disc rot. Right. And I believe that's a huge con because sometimes also when you go to game stores, not that they take in these items, but you might find some discs that are scratched and some of the data is irretrievable. A thing that that we're seeing a lot of also when it comes to cartridge-based games, uh, it's a lot. If you you jump on Facebook Marketplace, I, I see it a lot. And those are repros. See that with discs too, more more or less in the Saturn market. Even though you're able to play them and it's considered physical, would you be interested in getting repros, or is that something that you tend to stay away from? Depends. I think if it's an overly expensive game, you know, you're talking about Sega Saturn games earlier. For Panzer Dragon Saga right now, new price or CIB, it's twelve hundred dollars. I'm not paying that much. So, it, would I potentially go buy a repro? online or somewhere of panda dragon saga for 20 30 bucks yeah but i wouldn't sell it i wouldn't i wouldn't then resell it it would just for me to keep so i could play the game right i'm not the people that are actively trying to deceive you into creating repros but that look like the real thing and then trying to sell those whether that be in store or online those are assholes um but the whole the 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 big assholes the big assholes are the ones that let you know that they're repros, but still want to charge you top dollar for yeah, them. That's ridiculous. Yeah, you might see somebody. Oh, here's a repro cartridge for Earthbound for two hundred dollars. Yeah, no, no. I mean, and most- it's like what's well, it's a fucking fake piece of plastic with a just a repro chip in there, and you're gonna try to charge me a quarter of what the game retails for without a box, or they might even make repro art for it. Why the fuck? Why would you do that? I don't like. When bootleg CDs were the rage, I didn't want to go buy a bootleg CD for half of what I could buy the actual CD for. You want to go meet the guy that's over there by the gas station that's giving you three for five dollars. Why would I want to do that when it comes to my games? Yeah, when it comes to the repros, right? So the repros, like I said, I don't have a problem. Like I I understand, like people get upset. They're like, "Oh, you're buying money. You're buying. You're sending money to people who are profiting off a game." Well, the game came out like twenty, thirty years ago. Okay, these people are are not going to make any more money from the game. They're not putting out new games. They're not making uh, reproductions of these games in a way that I can play it. So, like, in that regard, I'm totally cool with it. But, yeah, spent $200 for a repro when you could, for $100, just buy this Super Nintendo uh, fucking 20-in-1 thing. It's still 100 bucks online. Get on eBay, CIB, new used. So why wouldn't you do that? And you get Earthbound. And, and unfortunately, I don't believe a lot of us have space, like, say, the immortal John Hancock. Uh, that guy's got a freaking museum, if you've ever watched any of his videos. Right. And I think that's another thing that people are trying to shy away from when they're just getting, they're dumping their physical collections. They just don't have the space anymore. And so that that those are just things in, in to take into consideration. But as far as physical media, I'm always going to try to keep it 100% physical. Same here, man. I want if, to have a game in my hand. I want if the internet goes out, if I'm in the middle of nowhere, I want to be able to just play my Switch or whatever console I want to play. And that's why I'm a huge supporter of things like Limited Run, uh, Super Rare Games, 
because they're giving us the option. That is definitely one of the advantages or positives that have come out if, you know, them as far as these major companies pushing more digital is it does allow more independent based companies to, you know, create their own businesses in this market for these type of players that, you know, you have like limited run of super rare games who can, okay, well, if the big time Sony people or Xbox or Nintendo is not going to do it, we can do it and we can make a profit off it. So we can purchase the license to produce it. You know what I mean? So that does create a opportunity for smaller base businesses to do that. So with all of that said, if you can, if you're a collector, if you love gaming, there's no wrong way to collect. If you, if you just, a gamer at heart and you want to go completely digital and say you want to go ahead and buy the digital ps5 version then do you yeah do you just 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 stay a gamer and and just love what you play and yeah, play not, what you love and i don't want to shit on digital too like i said i just bought nba 2k21 off the switch for yeah. 479 cents i like buying digital games but for games that i want to keep you know that's a sports game i gonna count new sports games every year but as for myself I say keep it, keep it physical. physical. It's always physical. Physical is always the way to go. However, as the consumer, once again, it's all up to you. So, Matt, what you got going on this week, bro? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, Matthew underscore Schaffer. Uh, we've got uh, Suck My Balls, episode number 80, dropping this week on all podcast platforms. South Park Review. If you're into South Park, go ahead and check that out. Ray as well on the Hami Media Group feed. So if you're already listening to it here, it'll be there for you Wednesday morning. You don't even have to do anything. Just accept, you know, maybe like, share, download. We're also on YouTube, so we don't have a lot of subscribers there, but uh, we'd like some. So, like, if you uh, want to watch the video version where I actually put the video clips in, you can check out our YouTube, uh, as well as hopefully we'll be back another additional Light the Fuse this upcoming weekend. The brand new episode is up right now with myself and Ben Hameen. Nothing much else, man. Patreon.com slash TV. Just pumping out more content there. Uh, did a roundtable with him the week before on the topic of what is black privilege. So I was the white guy on the podcast. Uh, so those, I've been putting out some clips on his YouTube, which you can check out. He's live on Twitch.tv slash TV every week. So with me, you can always catch me on Twitter at the one up gaming pod. That's T-H-A-1-U-P gaming pod. I am the sinister one. And you can always contact us. And join conversations with us inside the Hameen Media Discussion Group on Facebook. It's always the way to go. Shout out to the Hameen Media Group. We're putting out a lot of content for you. And with that said, next week, we're going to have a special showdown where myself and uh, MSG are going to go head-to-head, toe-to-toe, pound-for-pound with our five favorite NES games of all time. Let's set a ground rule here, though. If you're gonna choose a Mario game, you can only choose one. Oh yes, it, right. it can only be it can only be one title per oh, series. Let's say franchise. Yeah, or the franchise. Okay, that's fair. So the other you, you can't you can't say Mega Man one, two, three, four, and five. <laughs> exactly. And you can't say Mario one, two, three, and Mario is missing. Doctor Mario or something. Doctor Mario, and uh, that's what we're going to do toe to toe. Our top five NES games of all times. So. We should have an interesting list of 10. Maybe we might have some of the same games. Maybe we might have different games. It's all up in the air. Exactly. And it should be interesting for you guys next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Every Monday we drop. That's all I got to say about that. Tweet Adam and let him know your top five NES games, and we'll mention them here on the show. Once again, thank you guys for supporting. Thank you guys for listening. And as always, 
Keep it retro. Peace.